0: Brown and his daughter, Rachel, are with us. They've been with us. Um, uh, Pastor Matt and, and Chris and I were out of town for five days earlier the week. Then we came back to town and we hosted a number of pastors from the region from uh, Harvest Network International have been with us uh, for the last several days. And Kevin Brown's the elder uh, for this region from Harvest Network. He's down in Americus, Georgia. And if you don't know where that is, neither do most people. But, uh, um, but it is actually the, that's where Jimmy Carter's from. All right, did it, I, I don't think I'm on the system anymore either. I think probably that's, are we coming back up? Praise the Lord. All right. Okay. We're going to, are you on, is he on or off? Yeah. Well, let me just t- say this, by the way, we have fantastic, incredible sound people. You need to, you need to, get to thank the Lord for them. If you've noticed, we've had a couple issues the last, Radio <laughs> station bought the air, uh, 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 a whole, a uh, whole another chunk of the air in this area. And several of our mics are on frequencies that, that they now own and we're not supposed to be on. So we actually bought a bunch of new mics and maybe should have bought another one here. I don't know, but. Uh, um, that's part of part of the issue. There are a number of frequencies we're no longer supposed to even be on, and we're trying to get all that cleaned up. And so they've been doing an incredible—you need to really give them another hand because they are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, 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 and they've been, they've been working hard on that. so that's just part of kind of what's happened. But Kevin is, is one of the elders with the Harvest Network. is just a great, great guy. Um, and uh, you're, you're going to be blessed to have him share the word with you. But would you stretch your hands up this way, and let's pray. Father, we— um, we are so blessed by you. You are so good to us. You give us so many good gifts. And and among the good gifts you give us are the people you set in our lives. And, uh, and Lord, I, I receive uh, Kevin as a gift uh, from you, for me personally, for our fellowship. Uh, Lord, he's a gift and uh, and a blessing. And Lord, we receive him that way this morning. We receive him as your servant and our friend and our brother. And we pray right now that, that you would, stir up within him uh, your gifts and you would encourage and instruct us correct us Lord whatever you have for us this morning Lord open up our hearts and our ears to hear and uh, and just share with us through your servant and our brother uh, glorify yourself and help us
1: Lord in Jesus name amen. amen amen thank you brother well good morning how's everybody doing this morning? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be here and worship with you all. And uh, I am originally from Ohio, but I've learned some southern language since I've been down in America's Georgia. We're in the deep south, and so hopefully I'll get to share a little bit about that. But um, let me just say first, that I want to thank Pastor Billy and Pastor Matt for allowing us to have some H&I events here. We were here for several days for our regional gathering. And we just had a great time together and fellowship and praying for each other and just sharing the word of God with each other. And I think a lot of us going home encouraged, it's just really fired up and ready to continue in what God has for each one of us. So I just appreciate them. And we've had our National Assembly here many times and you guys have always been so gracious and the hospitality is just great. I know it's a lot of work, but you guys have really blessed H&I. And so we're just so thankful for uh, the pastors here and thankful for all the church members and your willingness to help us and, and share and ministering to the other h i members. So we appreciate and thank you for that. Also, I just want to say, you guys are blessed here with Pastor Billy and Pastor Matt. You guys are blessed. I tell you, every time I listen to him teach from the Word, I mean, it blesses me, and I get new insight and understanding to Scripture. And I think he has a real gift just to communicate the truth of God's Word. So I'm always <laughs> thankful to hear... So we come to these events for H&I, am like, let's put Billy on the list, I want to hear him speak on this topic, you know, I know I'm going to get something good out of it that I can take home and, and really just become a better, better person, a better, better leader, so I think he loves God, he, he loves people, he cares about people, and he's a great teacher, I got a lot of respect for him. All right, let me, sh- let me show you a picture of my family so you can get to know me a little bit. So this was my daughter's 16th birthday, Rachel is with me this morning, but you got my, my wife there, and uh, so we've been married 24 years. And so I appreciate her. I'll talk a little bit about her more as we go on. And then my oldest daughter is right beside me. That's Jordan. And uh, she is at GSW, Georgia Southwestern University, studying. And then Rachel uh, right beside her. And she's just turned 16 over the summer and got her driver's license. So she's driving all over town. It makes me nervous. And my youngest daughter, all the way on the left, Abby, just turned 13. So uh, we homeschool our kids. They've all been busy. And then my oldest is uh, My son, Zach, in the back, he just graduated from GSW and uh, in the spring, and he's doing some freelancing, videography, and stuff like that, and so uh, just uh, wanted to share my family with you as I will mention them briefly as I go through my message this morning. All right, so let's, let's get into the text. Open up your Bible with me this morning to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter two, and I will get there in a second, but let me start off with saying I want to talk to you about throwing shade. Have you guys ever heard, have you heard that expression? This has become popular, talking about throwing shade, and specifically complaining when it comes to throwing shade. Now, throwing shade means that you have insulted somebody with your words, right? You said something shady to someone, right? You've insulted them. It's the idea of talking trash to somebody or throwing some verbal punches, right? When it comes to throwing shade, it's like you're throwing verbal punches at somebody that's near you or around you. And so we tend to do this. We have this problem of throwing shade. And and one of the ways we do that is in complaining. Anybody struggle with complaining? I, I know sometimes I complain. Here's the thing, that words are powerful. Are they not? Words are powerful. And I think words are a gift from God, that he's given us this ability to communicate, to talk with one another, and to have these words go back and forth between each other, and there's a great responsibility on how we use words. And if I want to quote the great theologian Uncle Ben, Peter Parker's uncle, with great power comes great responsibility, right? With words, the power of words, there's great responsibility, and God has entrusted that to us. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. God has given us the freedom to use words question is how are we using them? Are we using them to build people up or are we using them to tear people down? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I don't know about you but I struggle with that a bit. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Unwholesome is a word that's used for spoiled fish or rotten fruit. It means foul or bad or destructive language that would tear somebody down rather than build them up. And then he adds it that it may benefit those who listen or give grace to the hearers. Now, he's not saying here that we can't confront somebody that needs to be confronted. It doesn't mean we can't have hard and difficult conversations. But the point in using our words is not to hurt somebody, but to help them. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I I don't know. We have a natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I don't know if there's anything that is opened more oftenly wrong than our mouths. And you would think, when I've gotten to my age, and I've been married for 24 years, and I have four kids, and I have three daughters, that I would have control of my words. I would understand the impact of my words, but I still miss it, it seems like, frequently. And my wife helps me to understand this and know this. It was a couple of weeks ago that they, we had a snake. Uh, we, we live on about two or three acres, and there was a snake out in our barn. It had gotten one of our chickens, and so I had gone for my morning walk, And I had just come back, I was walking into the driveway, and uh, I get this call from the backyard, we got a small barn out there, come on out, there's a snake in the chicken coop. So I I go out, I do my dad duty, right? Usually when I'm going out to take care of a snake and a dead chicken, I'm usually out there by myself. So I just take care of it, I get it done, nobody's watching, nobody really knows what I do. But this morning, everybody was out there and everybody was watching, and so I go into the chicken coop, and I, I grab a shovel, and I pull the snake out, and I chop his head off, and I take him to the back of our fence line, and I throw him over the fence, and there's a nice wooded area. You'd never see him. You'd never know, and for smaller animals, I also throw over the fence. The The ground in Georgia is very hard, and uh, trying to dig a hole is is not easy, and I had recently dug three holes. We had a dog die, and I had to dig a hole and then we actually had two fawns that uh, we we had had and were trying to raise to health and and they both died and we found a place, we dug a hole for them. So I I go into the coop again and I grab the chicken this time and I come out and I walk right by everybody and I throw that thing, I mean higher and further than he's ever flown on his own, (laughs) over the fence into that wooded area behind us and the girls go, (gasps) because these are not just chickens to them. Right? It's just not a source of eggs for them. They, these are pets. These are animals. They've named each one. Right? They go out and they feed each one. So not only did I throw it over the fence, but then I turned around, walked right by them and said, buried, done. <laughs> and I was like, I just buried three animals. I didn't want to bury another. I just hucked them over the fence. Didn't even notice it. Later, I was getting ready to go to work, and, and, and Stacy was going, uh, you, you know the girls were a little shocked at what you did. I'm like, they were? They, what? And, and so I went into my youngest uh, daughter's room, and I said, I, I'm sorry. I want to apologize for, for what I did. I didn't realize the impact of what I did and what I said had on you. I, if you want, I'll gladly go back outside. I'll jump over the fence. I'll find the chicken, and I'll bring it back into the yard. We can dig a hole and bury it. And I was thinking, we can do a funeral. I know how to do that. We can, we can do this right. She said, no, Dad, Dad, that's okay. You don't have to do that. But Sometimes we don't realize the impact that our words have on those around us. What do you complain about the most? Do you co- complain about we, we just never have enough money. Or our house is too small. We just need a bigger house. Or my car is so old. I, I need a newer, newer car. I, I have no internet at my house. That's ours. And we live two miles out of town, and nobody can get me internet at my house. They can't. I mean, a landline, I, I can get dial-up. That's as good as it gets at my house. I can get dial-up and my phone doesn't work that well, no internet at my house. Or in the deep south, we have gnats, you know, gnats all summer long that are flying around, and you're trying to work in the yard, and they're flying in your ears and your eyes and your nose and your mouth, and, you know, it may be a good source of protein, but it's just not that fun to eat. Now, when I lived in Ohio about eight years ago, what we complained about up there was the long, cold winters. And we wanted to move south where it was Warmer, right? Life would be perfect if we could just move down south and get away from it. You know what we can complain about now? The long, hot summers. <laughs> Especially this year, it's extremely hot. It feels like the summer will not end. Complaining. You know, we have a habit of being negative. I think we, we're naturally bent towards negativity. Our society encourages us towards negativity, always looking to find out what's wrong. Looking for the negative, so by nature we lean that way. Our conditioning, it's easy to develop a habit of complaining. What do you complain about? And I think even uh, complaining is contagious. Have you ever noticed that? If you go complain about something, it's contagious, and other people start complaining too. We notice this with our kids, is that if one kid mentions something, this pasta doesn't taste right. Oh, we, we use new pasta. I don't like this pasta. Then everybody didn't like the pasta when they hadn't even noticed until one of them mentioned it, right? And we caught on to that pretty quick. And one would start to say, no, 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 don't even say it. Because if you say it, the others are going to think the same thing. It's contagious. And it becomes this competition, too. Have you ever noticed that? It's like you complain about something, and, and they say, the person you're saying it to says, mm, that's nothing. Let me tell you about my day. <laughs> right? It's a competition. Then you're like, well, okay, you win. <laughs> you win. You had a worse day. Good job. So we complain, it's contagious, and it becomes a competition. And I think there's about four different types of complainers. And just if you could just self-identify yourself here, maybe in one of these four categories. The first one is the whiner, right? Maybe the person who wakes up negative. It's like rise and whine. And this is a person that you don't want to talk to until they've had their coffee, right? Like don't even talk to them until they finish the coffee. And, And they'll use words like it's not fair, I don't deserve this, or everybody else gets the breaks and I don't. Or the second type is the martyr. And this one, their favorite phrase is nobody appreciates me. And and, and they're pros at at getting groups around them and having a pity party and everybody's complaining and, and chiming in. And then there's the cynic, right? The cynic. It's Mr. Negative and nothing ever will change. Everything's negative and lives by Murphy's Law that says whatever can go wrong will go wrong, right? And they're looking for it. And then there's the perfectionist. Maybe I fit into this one that it's never good enough, right? A job can be done 99% right, but that 1% will be noticed by the perfectionist, and they'll be wondering, why wasn't that done right, right? It's never good enough. And, and they use the phrase, uh, if, um, if, is that the best you can do? Or they'll use the phrase, and we probably all said this, is that if you want it done right, you gotta do it yourself, right? Why didn't you delegate that out? Well, because I wanted it done right, and only I could do it Right. Complaining. We all do it. Let's get into our text this morning and see what Paul has to say about complaining. Philippians chapter 2, let's start at verse 14. Let me read down through here and then we'll go back and talk about it. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too be glad and rejoice with me. All right, back to verse 14. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. I don't know, this may be one of the hardest commands in scripture, to do everything without complaining and arguing. You say, we, we need to cancel complaining. We need to just get it out of our lives. But yet we have this urge, and sometimes we just, we just want to complain. We want to talk. And I think Paul here gets to meddling with them. He'd been talking about God working in their lives, and then he goes right into this. He goes, do everything without complaining or arguing. I, I bet you they were having some trouble with people complaining and people arguing. He said, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of this. God is working your, on your life. It ought to show in the way we talk. It's interesting, in the previous verse, Paul had just said that God is working in your life and you're acting according to his purpose. For God is at work in you to will and to act according to his purpose. And then he goes into how we talk to each other, do everything without complaining and arguing. See, complaining is like stewing without doing, right? It's not trying to fix the problem. I mean, there's an appropriate time to raise a complaint, right? There's an appropriate time to bring a concern to the the top and say, hey, we've got to deal with this. We're doing something wrong or we could do something better. We need to fix this. But most of our complaining is not in that category. I think most of our complaining is just talking about how bad we have it, complaining about something we don't like. In fact, complaining, I would put like this, it's a bad attitude expressed in grumbling, isn't it? A bad attitude expressed in grumbling. And really, when I'm complaining, what I'm saying is I didn't get my way and I'm upset with it and I want you and a few other people or many other people to know about it, right? And so, we go on Facebook and we tell all our friends, complaining. Now, from time to time, my wife catches me complaining. A couple weeks ago, I came home from work, it was late. It was about 10 o'clock at night. Everybody had eaten. They were sitting in the living room watching TV. I walk in. I ask her to say hi. I walk in. What's for dinner? She says, it's on the stove. And I go up to the stove, and there's a pot, and it's vegetable soup. Now, I like vegetable soup. But at 10 o'clock at night, hungry and tired, I was hoping for some meat in there. I was hoping... Maybe some bacon in there or something, you know? I just like, and and it it wasn't just vegetable soup, but it was like all natural vegetable soup, you know? So no sugar, no additives. I mean, the the, the real healthy stuff. And I mumbled to myself and I just said, if I knew we were having this for dinner, I would have just picked myself something up on the way home. And she said, did you say something? And I went, yeah, I was just talking to myself. And she goes, oh, what'd you say? I'm like, oh man. I thought this might be a good time for a lie. But I can't do that, and I thought, you know, really the conversation was between me, myself, and I, and so this might be gossip if I told her. I thought maybe I should throw out the gossip thing, and I knew that wasn't going to stick. And so I told her. I don't remember what happened after that anyway, so. (laughs) Complaining. We have a tendency to complain, man, about everything or anything. He said, if it didn't get worse or bad, if it's not bad enough, do everything without complaining. Then he says... Arguing, don't argue. I mean, argue is when I say I didn't get my way and I'm going to get my way and I'm going to fight you to get it. We argue. And Paul says, don't complain. Don't argue. Look at verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. See, I think they were having a problem that because of their complaining and because of their arguing, they were not blameless and pure. They, they really weren't looking like the children of God in the midst of a crooked generation, and they weren't shining like stars in the universe. Like, people weren't looking at and saying, man, these people are Christians. These are followers of Jesus. The non-Christians around them were not being attracted to Jesus, was not being attracted to this church because of the strife and the contention, the complaining and arguing that was going on. Have you ever had have that happen for you? I mean, there have been times where we've lost our witness because of our complaining or our arguing. I was just talking to my wife yesterday, and she was saying, man, I wish you were here because I had to do some adult parenting, you know, like adulting with our older two kids that both of them separately with two different businesses in town had some issues or frustrations that they thought weren't being handled correctly, and they had to go talk to them on Friday and try and straighten out the situation. And she was telling them that when you go, be careful about your attitude. By complaining and trying to argue about something, you may lose your witness. That You represent us. You represent our church. You represent Jesus. So we've got to be careful. Do we take our complaining and arguing into places and it ruins our witness? How many times have we seen uh, the witness lost of a church because there's so much complaining and arguing and, and strife inside of it that they've lost their witness? Sometimes we get so caught up in the complaining, so caught up in the arguing and fighting a personality that we miss the possibilities that God has placed in front of us verse 16 he says as you hold out the word of life in order that i may boast on the day of christ that i did not run or labor for nothing he says, you may shine like stars so that you may become blame verse verse 16 he says you may shine like stars as you hold out the word of life in order that i may boast on the day of christ that i have not run or labor in vain and are we holding on to the word of life? Are we holding out the word of life so that others may see it, that others may grab onto it? Or are we too busy complaining and arguing about what's going wrong in our lives? And, and let's not miss the implications that he says that I may boast on the day of Christ. Let's not miss the implications that our complaining and arguing not only impacts our witness, but may come back to bite us on the day of judgment. Jesus said you could, you'll be judged for every idle word that you say. How about verses 17 and 18? He says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. He says, not only do you need to cancel the complaining, but he says, now here's, here's the part where we make a choice, to rejoice we make a choice we can be positive or we can be negative what are we going to do I love it. he says even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith he says I am glad like Paul is glad Paul is in jail when he is writing this I know I th- sometimes I think you know he's writing Philippians and maybe he was sitting at home on his lazy boy reclining while he's watching a football game just jotting down some notes man I'm happy today I'm glad I'm glad for y'all man this is good but he's sitting in prison chained to guards, He said, maybe I'm being poured out as a drink offering, a sacrifice and service coming from your faith. He says, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. If that wasn't enough, he says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I like to think about it like this, that Paul said, hey, why don't you rejoice in what God is doing in my life? And I'm going to rejoice with you and what God is doing in your life. Let's rejoice together. Paul could be complaining he could be writing like, why has God left me in jail? Why, why am I still in uh, handcuffs? Why have I not been released? He could be complaining about where he's at, but instead he said, let's be glad. Let's, let's rejoice. That's not easy. I bet you had times when he was in jail, he felt like complaining. He would have loved to have complained. He said, I'm glad. Let's, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in what God is doing in your life. Let's rejoice what God is doing in my life. It's a choice. Maybe even the Philippians, maybe they were even asking the question, why is Paul in jail? You know, when Paul was here years ago, he was put in jail, but God divinely broke him out. So why isn't God doing that now? Why is he still in jail? They might have been asking that question. What's going wrong with Paul right now? Why isn't God breaking him out like he did before? Well, I find it interesting. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 13, Paul says this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You see, Paul could have been complaining. He could have been arguing about where he was and why he was there. But he said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul knew that God wanted to use some circumstances, wanted to use his circumstances. And he was using it to advance the gospel. And so here he is, chained to Roman soldiers around the clock. And I bet you Paul was using that as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, Paul had a plan for going to Rome, and his plan, when he was going to go to Rome as a free person, preach the gospel in the churches, and then move on to Spain. Instead, he's taken to Rome in chains and preaching the gospel, not to the churches, but preaching in prisons, not his plan. And yet, he realizes in God's plan that God is using his chains for good to advance the gospel. I don't know that there could be a more strategic group that Paul could have been chained to if he wanted to impact the Roman society. As these guards, as these soldiers were part of the elite group, think about it. God brings Paul to Rome. Nero pays for it, chains him to leaders that he can preach the gospel to 24 hours a day and influence some of the most influential people in their society at the time. And as a result, we know that Nero's family, some of his family members, became Christians. History tells us that Nero had his wife, mother, and children killed because they became believers. His chains had a chain reaction. In fact, when he finishes writing this letter near the end, Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, he says, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. His chains had an impact. Not because he was complaining and arguing about it, but because he found a way to rejoice in the midst of it and to look at his chains and to see how God could use those chains. I think one of the most difficult circumstances that we face is situations where we feel chained. You ever have those? Maybe you're in one now. From time to time, we have circumstances where we feel like we're chained to them, that there's no way out. There's no change ahead of us. Now Paul had literal chains on him. Ours aren't so literal. But yet nonetheless we feel those chains. Whether it's a relationship, finances, a job, physical problems, we all experience those chains from time to time. The question is what are we doing with the chains? Are we spending our time complaining about the chains? Or are we looking at our chains and saying God, how do you want to use these? How do you want to use these in my life? I think sometimes we're so fixed on the problem and complaining that it just magnifies the problem instead of magnifies God. That it hinders God from changing us through the process. I think it can even hinder God from changing the circumstances that we're in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, God's purpose is greater than our problems. But many times we don't see that. Whenever we're complaining, we're not being grateful or thankful. We can't focus on the negative and the positive at the same time. Like when I came in from dinner that night and I looked down and saw the vegetable soup, I should have been Thankful for the vegetables in there. I should have been thankful that I had food to eat. I should have been thankful that not only did I have food, I had healthy food to eat. I should be thankful that I've got a wife that cares about what I eat and has made some good stuff for me to eat. But instead, what I saw was there's no meat. There's no bacon. I know, that's, I know I'm asking for a lot here. But to be thankful. I, I think in America, we don't value what we have until it's gone. Why is it? Of all the people on the face of the earth, we are a blessed people, yet I think we're the least thankful. We go to other countries and we see families that have nothing, just the clothes on their back and not good at that. And yet they're thankful and they're happy. And we have all these things. And yet we find it hard to be thankful. We find it hard to be grateful until it's gone. Right now, I can get the meddling, right? This is where we, like, like we don't know, we're not thankful for electricity. We go in and switch light flicks until it's knocked out for a couple days. And they're like, Lord, I didn't realize how much I need electricity. Right? We don't realize how important running water is until your water gets shut off. It's like, guys, you got one flush in that toilet. That's it. And you're like, man, we need water. I got to carry buckets in. And, you know, we got to go somewhere and get some water. And yet, yet we seem to be so unthankful. In the midst of all the blessings that we have, we got a close friend from India. She goes to school with my daughter. They don't use toilet paper. I'm thankful for toilet paper. That's a good thing, right? And we, we just take it for granted until the roll is empty and there's no replacement nearby. Are we thankful? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all We have to give thanks for for all, but in all, we can find something to be thankful for. How about doing everything without complaining and arguing? That's being different than the world. We've been called to be different. That's different. Most people are complaining and arguing. And Paul says when we do that, man, we shine like stars, that the world will recognize us as followers of Jesus because we're different. But if we're complaining and arguing, man, we're forgetting God's goodness. We're forgetting to rely on his power, and we're limiting his work in our life. I really think, like, complaining is like the warning light on our car. It's saying something's wrong underneath the hood. Not that our circumstances are wrong, but something's wrong in here. That we're looking, looking at the circumstance wrong. Maybe the greatest thing that could happen to our families is what happens in our own heart. Maybe the greatest thing that could happen for our kids or for our spouse or for our grandkids could be what happens in our heart, the change that God does in ours. Let me give you three practical steps for how we can just kind of cancel the complaining and arguing and move into this area of rejoicing. I want to use the analogy of a Bluetooth. I don't know about you, but I love the Bluetooth technology with our phones because you get into your car and you can turn on your Bluetooth, connect it to your stereo, listen to podcasts, listen to music, listen to whatever you want. I take my phone, inside I connect it to another Bluetooth speaker wirelessly and play music or whatever I want. I, I love that Bluetooth connectability. And I feel like many times we're complaining and arguing because we haven't we haven't hooked up our Bluetooth or paired our hearts properly with God. And when we don't pair them with his heart, then we end up complaining and arguing. So let me give you three words that will help us conquer complaining this morning and just think of it as this is a way that we can pair. Our hearts with God when we feel like complaining. The first one is when we feel like complaining or we find ourselves complaining is to pause. The first one is to pause and to stop and recognize what I'm doing. I I am complaining. I need to to stop for a second. And I need to give some thought. Why am I complaining? Because Jesus talked about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is going on in my heart that is causing me to complain? That night, I went home late and eating dinner. I was probably, I was tired. I was hungry. But, you know, sometimes there's something more going on. Maybe it was a meeting that I had that day. It just kind of threw me off or, or I'm feeling stressed out about something else that's coming up tomorrow. But there's things under the hood that are going on that will cause us to complain and to argue. We need to pause and start examining ourselves and say, man, what's going on underneath the hood? Why am I complaining? Is it just I'm tired and I need rest? Is it just I'm really hungry I just want to eat? Or is there something more going on that I need to deal with that I need to... Address, pause. The second one is to begin to pray and ask God, God, could you, help, could you help me with what's going on in my heart? Man, Man, I am tired. I'm just running low. Will you help refresh me? Or, or God, I'm really nervous about this meeting tomorrow. Or what was said in the meeting today has upset me, and that's why I'm saying these things. Lord, would you help deal with my heart? Will you help me in what I'm thinking and the internal dialogues that are going on? I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. I think complaining says, you know what? I need changing. God, something's going on under the hood that I need help with. So there's pause, there's pray, and then there's praise. God never asks us to stop doing one thing without giving us something else to replace it with. So he says, stop complaining, and let's start focusing on the positive. Let's start focusing on God. Let's start focusing on his goodness. Let's start focusing on his promises or, or praying. We think about it, complain. we put so much energy into arguing, in the complaining. What if we put that kind of energy into praising? What if we put that kind of energy into praying about it instead of just complaining about it? Will you stand with me this morning as I get ready to just close my time here in prayer and ask Pastor Billy to come back up. I don't know what kind of change you may be feeling this morning, but we can all make the choice to rejoice in the midst of our chains, that God has a purpose in them, that we can look at the chains and say, however difficult it is, however much I don't like it, that God, you can use them. Will you use my chains? Let's pray this morning. Lord, you've, you've asked us for some tough stuff that we can't do on our own. We, we need your help to stop complaining, to stop arguing, and to choose to rejoice in the midst of all and any circumstances. Lord, would you help us to be aware of the words that come out of our mouth and how they impact those around us? Lord, when we begin to complain, when we begin to argue, Lord, would you help us to push the pause button? Would you help us to just stop and begin to examine our hearts. Lord, would you give us insight and understanding into the complexities of our thoughts and our hearts, what is leading us to say the things that we say. Lord, would you change us on the inside, Lord. That's not all about changing the circumstances, but Lord, it's about changing us, that we would be conformed to the image of your Son, that we would look like Jesus. And Lord, when we have chains, Lord, we pray that you would use them for your glory, that you would use them as you used them with Paul to advance the gospel, that we would truly look different to a world that is around us. And Holy Spirit, that you would remind us of all the things we can give you praise for, that we need to give you praise for. What we need to focus on is how big you are in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the chains. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us with this, to help us with our mouth. no, No one can tame the tongue, but Holy Spirit, you can tame it. We ask you to come and tame our tongues. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Hallelujah.